In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Every sin starts as a lie. And this is the lie that starts every sin. God doesn't really love me. This is very important for understanding your faith and your life. Every sin starts as a lie, and the lie that starts every sin is this, that God doesn't really love me. So loving and lying are opposites. If you love somebody, you don't lie about them. If you love somebody, you certainly don't lie to them. You don't lie to them, and you don't lie about them, because lying is really a way of hating somebody. Lying really means that you are trying to manipulate and destroy them. That's how Jesus talks. Mark Twain, on the other hand, was a little more optimistic about lying. You can see it in the welcome for today from his hilarious essay, On the Decay of Lying. Twain says that if we just had a bit more practice, if we all just started earlier and worked a little harder, then we'd get really good at lying. And later in life, when we really needed it, lying would be very useful to us as we try to manipulate and destroy other people. It seems like the devil is a big fan. Apparently he's read Twain's essay. So the very first time that he meets Jesus in the flesh, the devil tries to manipulate and destroy Jesus by lying to him. Here is the lie. Out here in the wilderness, where you are hungry, tired, and all alone, God has forgotten you. God will not provide for you. God will not protect you. God will not prosper you. And God will not keep his promises toward you. I think it's pretty clear. God doesn't really love you. Pretty good, huh? It's just like Twain's essay. Start young and work hard. And you, too, can be a pretty good liar. The truth is, Satan has had a lot of practice. This isn't the first time Satan has lied. In fact, he's been telling this same lie over and over again since the beginning of time. You heard the story again today in the Old Testament reading from Genesis. In Eden... Adam came to life as God's own son. And in Eden, Adam had everything that was best for him. In Eden, Adam had food. In Eden, Adam had safety. And in Eden, Adam had order. His life was ordered for success. His life was ordered so that he could flourish. Ordered so that he could be all that he was meant to be. Ordered so that he could prosper as a son of God. Then came the lie. It's all a trick. He doesn't really love you. 
If he did, he'd give you more. More food, more safety, more freedom, and more success. If he really loved you, he would give you more food. You could eat from the tree in the midst of the garden. And then you could decide what was good and what was evil all by yourself. Wouldn't that be safer? And you could even be better than you are now, much more successful. You could be a god. But you can't. Because God doesn't give you that. Because God doesn't really love you. That has been the pattern of temptation in every human life since Adam. At some point in every life, in your life and in my life, we all have the chance to play Adam. At some point, we are given a choice between Christ and Satan, between truth and lies, between light and darkness, between life and death. At some point in every human life, in your life and in mine, we feel pinched by order and obedience, and we are pricked by the hedge surrounding the garden, by the faith that curbs our freedom. And when that happens, this lie is told to us too. God has left you all alone, and God has held you back from all that you could be because God doesn't really love you. Once when I was teaching in Russia, the bishop told me about the day that the Russian mafia came to visit the seminary. The Russian mafia is tough. You should think the end of the Italian job. And it was in the early days of the Siberian Lutheran Church, and the pastors were still young and inexperienced and very poor. But thanks to some generous donations, much of which you yourselves gave, the seminary had just finished their first building, and that success attracted some attention. So one day, the Russian mob showed up, and they said to Bishop Litkin, you've got a new building, now you need a new roof. He said to them, look up, we've got a roof. And they said, no, you don't understand. You've got a brand new building, and pretty soon it will be filled with brand new students. So now you need a roof. You know, something to protect you. Because who knows when something bad might happen to you or one of your new students or to your new building. See how that works? It's the very same temptation that was given to Adam. At some point in every life, in your life, in my life, and in their life, somebody will tell us that the Heavenly Father has left us all alone, that he won't really provide for us or protect us or prosper us, that he won't keep his promises, that he doesn't really love us. That day the Russians decided that God did love them, so they sent the mobsters packing, and then they also picked up the phone and they hired a bunch of ex-Russian army special forces guys with machine guns to guard the place. Because, of course, God's love shows itself in many practical ways. <laughs> Here's the point on let one. Like Adam, we were all created, you and I, we were all created to be sons and daughters of God. 
Like Adam, our Heavenly Father promises to give us all the gifts we need, all the gifts of Eden, food, safety, and order, the best of everything. Like Adam, our Heavenly Father promises to provide for us, to protect us, and to prosper us. Unfortunately, because Satan started young and became a very good liar, and we started young too and became very good sinners, often when we feel the pinch, say when we are hungry or tired, or when we want more than God has decided to give us, then we entertain the same question, does God really love me? And then we often answer poorly, and we fail miserably just like Adam. And just like Adam, that costs us joy and rest and peace and love. It costs us Eden. But once again this Lent, what we could never do, Christ comes and does for us. Everything that we and Adam ever did wrong, Christ comes and does right. Jesus is in the wilderness. He is hungry and tired. That is normal life. At some point we all get hungry and tired. Then Satan lies to him. You haven't got enough God to survive. But Jesus knows that God loves him and that God will provide for him. Jesus is on the pinnacle of the temple. He is at a very scary place. That is normal life. At some point, we all end up in very scary places. Then Satan lies. You haven't got enough God to protect you. But Jesus knows that God loves him, so God will protect him. Jesus is up the mountain. He is tempted to quit. That is normal life. At some point, we are all tempted to quit. And Satan lies. You haven't got enough God to order your life. You haven't got enough God to succeed. You haven't got enough God to prosper you. You haven't got enough God to flourish as God's son or God's daughter. But Jesus knows that God loves him. So God will order the world and crush all demonic chaos and smash all devilish opposition by going to the cross once again as atonement, as sacrifice for you, for me, for my sins, for your sins, that Christ will come again this Lent and make wrongs right. So that's all you need to know about life in just one story. What Satan has got for you today is lies. Touch a lie and you give it life. Touch a lie and you die. Touch a lie and you are darkness. But what Jesus has for you today is life. Touch Jesus and be fed. Touch Jesus and be safe. Touch Jesus and be ordered, be obedient, be free, and be true. Touch Jesus and be light. Touch Jesus and be what you were always meant to be, sons and daughters of God, home again in Eden, right now, come touch him in the Eucharist and live.
In the holy name of Jesus, amen.